Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Hey, friends. We have a special day here at St. Basil on our podcast because we have some special guests. All the way from the great state of Nebraska, we have Father Scott Harder. Yeah, good to be with you. Awesome. And we have our own administrator, Pastor Man, Father Ryan Mann. Hey, guys. Good to be with you. Beautiful. Why are you here, Father? Why are any of us anywhere? <laughs> right? <Jesus. laughs> um, I, I met Father Ryan back um, when we were seminarians doing a summer spirituality program and became good friends and have kind of made a tradition of getting together over Labor Day the last four or five Five, years. I think, years. Yeah. yeah. We've known each other for 10, but we've gotten together yeah, for the last so five. 10-year friend anniversary. Friend anniversary. Pretty exciting. <laughs> cool. I want to ask you guys about a conversation I know you have had amongst yourselves over text message with lots of fun emojis <laughs> late at night. And those are funny <laughs> things, but also truthful things that God would never say. Things God doesn't say. Yeah. No, this, this actually began... I don't know if you remember Father Scott, when we, it was about four years ago, one of the first times we visited, we were just talking about, we were really new priests at that point. And I guess that's perspective. We're still kind of new priests, but we no, were really new at that down. point. No, I got it down. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we were figuring out, and you were beginning to share just things that are just unhelpful when other people say them to you. And then that evolved into like things unhelpful in the spiritual life. And then that evolved to like things that we all like sometimes sense God saying, but God is never saying those things. And we kind of went back and forth and they became so funny to us because they resonated so much, both in our own journeys and then people we walk with that we just see that, oh my gosh, these are a lot of lies and like kind of just distorted notions of a father who loves us and a savior who just wants to be with us. And yet we all believe him. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that kind of where it was born of that conversation. And then funny text messages since then, just like, here's another one. <laughs> and the, Yeah, they're funny things because like... Is on some level, they just seem like, yeah, sure. They, it just feels instinctual. But then when you pause and you're like, can you imagine like God actually saying that to you <laughs> in a real <laughs> circumstance? You're like, oh, no, <laughs> like, he would never do that. But there's something just wired into us because of our, our lives, our stories, stuff like that, that it just feels true. Yeah. And so we tend to just kind of claim them as like, oh, yeah, that sounds kind of churchy and, and like something God would say. Yeah. So can you give us a first example? In case you have no idea what we're talking about yet, <laughs> it's about to make sense. The, uh, yeah. A buddy. Well, this is. A, did you want a whole story instead of an example? Or just I an example? I think yes. <laughs> so I was actually with uh, uh, another priest and we were helping out with a retreat doing spiritual direction. And we joked about making a spiritual direction coin. You know, so in the afternoon, you're kind of tired. Whatever they say, you could just flip the coin and just read whatever the coin said. Mm. <laughs> and unfortunately, for better or for worse as a director, you end up saying a lot of the same thing. Um, so one side would just say, um, could you say more about that? Which is something <laughs> you say a lot. And then the other side would say, um, have you told Jesus about that? Which are both good and helpful. <laughs> but, but we also- So we just it. did group spiritual direction, yeah. basically, for yeah. all the listeners. You're welcome. Just repeat those. <laughs> <laughs> we joked about making like an e like a terrible, like an evil coin. That would have two sides. And the one side would say, after somebody just shared something, I would keep that to myself. 
which is just like mm. shame. So shaming and lonely. And then the other one, and this is my favorite of all of these, uh, yeah, kind of ideas of, of what God would not say. The other side would say, have you tried trying harder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect example, right? It's like we always – we're just like, well, try harder. Yeah. That's like a great example. So, Tommy, you said you wanted an example. That's the first quintessential example of things God never says is, hey, try harder. Just try harder. Yeah. Like it, this, you're the problem 100%. This is all on you. If you just tried harder, yeah, you could fix it. Yeah, it's up to you. Yeah. Which you could just feel it. Like it's so lonely. It's, uh, it just feels heavy. When it postures you in this like closed fist, teeth gritted, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like yeah. and it's like that's never the posture of – Jesus come to the me. Father or like all you like, are weary. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you to try harder. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just but we feel it. That's the whole point is like this these are things that aren't true, but we can feel that way. It's like, all right, things aren't going well. All right, you know what I gotta do? My first modus operandi is I'm gonna try hard. I'm gonna be more disciplined in my calendar and I'm gonna make everything perfect and then now we're gonna get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to enjoy a single second of it. Oh, right. That's, what yeah, it that's not like. what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard of the cross, Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you have, Do you ever get this, Father Scott, when people like are like this in either a confessional or direction with you, sometimes I'll playfully say to them, I said, you know, when, when we get like that, I just see Jesus in the other room, like watching TV and just be like, hey, when you're done, I'll be over here. You just let me know and I'll, I'll be happy to help. But whenever you're done, like the sense of it very playfully being like, well, if you want to help, I'm over here. Yeah. So as you're trying really hard, yeah. you just because it's like you said, it's this it's this isolated, lonely place where Jesus is all communion, all yeah. friendship. I had a, I was in like um, something was going on with a friend and just struggling, and um, yeah, I was I wasn't praying. I was just in a church fretting about it, and then finally, just yeah, I told God about it, and and just sense him being like, why is this the first time I'm hearing about this? <laughs> It was, it was like, it was kind of, it was playful yet corrective because it, it was just so clear. I'd just been trying so hard on my own to fix this. And same thing. He was like, I'm here. So if you'd <laughs> like to do it together, I'd be more than happy. Yeah. But um, you can keep doing this too. So the true maxim that is the opposite of try harder would be what? In one sentence, each of you. Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> we don't have any. No, I mean, it would be something relational, uh, something about God's desire to care for us. Um, I think it, for me, oftentimes it's an invitation to surrender. Like, Hey, that's not your job. Like a lot of what you're, you're putting on your own plate. That's just not for you. Like um, you get to be my son. You get to be little. Uh, and I'd really like to take care of you. So a sense of being invited to come close and, uh, Sometimes to rest, but also just to surrender that to him. Like, yeah, give that to me. Yeah, I just, the first thing that came to my mind was that scripture, like, I am with you always. So this, like, the the healing corrective to this distortion is communion. Like, she's like, like, yeah, there are things we're going to have to, there's effort involved, your freedom is involved, but it's always a freedom born of friendship, of he's with me in this. He is risen victorious. He loves me by name. He loves me and he enjoys me. All of that is poured into me, and it's from that being poured into that place of being together in this that we can then face whatever life is going on, but it's always being faced with him, uh, not like, I'll figure that out and come tell him how great I did or how much I failed probably. Yeah. Uh, so it's always yeah. like, I'm with you always, a place of 
he wants he enjoys taking care of me like a parent loves being able to provide for their kid type yeah. of thing yeah it's like even before he wants to um do anything with the situation he just first wants to come close like the first move of god is like hey can i just be with you like uh, i'm i'm right here i'm with you yeah. all right next let's hit another one i don't care I don't <laughs> care <laughs> yeah and i yeah i think a lot of people have this um even myself a posture towards ourself of like this thing's just not that important and God only cares about big things and important things. And so um, even if it's bothering you a lot, I don't care. Right. Which, which, yeah, it's like uh just leads to a lot of like, what's wrong with me? Why is this so hard for me? But um, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't care as if, as if our, our, our problems, issues, situations have to be past a certain threshold and then they like show up on God's screens and he's like, oh, yeah. that's a thing. But below that, he's like, no, yeah, I don't care. That's not important enough. Yeah. It just it reminds me of one time when we were talking and you t- you said when you teach prayer to people, Father Scott, you're like, right, there's no more such a thing as a spiritual life. Like that's gone now. What you have is your real life and that matters to God. So let's just talk about real life. And uh, yeah, I think about how many times I think for me that phrase, I don't care, is like this phrase of like, like a compartmentalizing. There's yeah. like God things that yeah. he cares about. And it's usually my sin and how much I should have tried harder to go back to the other one. Yeah. That's like my he view over there. That. And then there's this other view of like, all right, well, these are just human things that yeah. I have to take. He doesn't care about those finances, dinner, kids, illnesses, uh, s- spouse being busy. We can't be together. Like all the human stuff. Oh, that's not God. I, he doesn't care about that. He only cares about yeah. whatever fill in the blank. And, yeah, it's just not God. Like that's just not that's yeah. when he became flesh, one of the things he suggested by doing that was, hey, your whole real human life, yeah, like I'm all into that. Yeah. He even just as you described that, like um there's just this sadness of thinking. Yeah, even like I love you, you know? And yeah. like imagine like there's parts of your life that just like God's like, No, I'm not I don't want to be a part of that or it's not important to me or there's and the loneliness of that of these are things that I'm I'm all on my own with. Yeah. Um and again, yeah, there's religious things, quote unquote, or uh, or just successful things, um, but like the small and the mundane and uh, these other things that he wouldn't care about. Just like, ugh, I just feel so sad. I was just like when you like this. So when priests go on vacation together, they just have fun. But then we also were praying. We're doing holy hours every day. We did mass every day. But then a lot of time for sharing. So it'd be like this week, all of a sudden you were sharing something and I'd be like, no, no, I don't care about that yeah vacation time yeah like whoa whoa this <laughs> leave is, work at work this is fun time yeah like your heart's in nebraska there's a sport yeah no 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 keep yeah. it down yeah. yeah and it's just like i but I mean, we we yeah so that's that's the great lie that's yeah. something god never says is i don't care yeah. so would it be safe to say if it's important to us it's important to god yeah, oh, yeah. and I'll if eat. it if yeah. it's on our mind then it's on god's mind oh yeah yeah or if it's say. bothering us it bothers god yeah kind of yeah, oh, very much so. And I'd even add to and if you love it, he also loves it. So it's not just always negative, yeah. right? Some things we don't talk to God about are the things that are bringing us the most joy and pleasure. You know, like... Badminton. But, <laughs> but that's not mine. I can't stand that thing. Okay. When it's, when you can't stand thing? it? No, I can't I don't like it at all. What do you mean you don't like it? Like, <laughs> it's something I don't want to do. Yeah, say more about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, had, I had some friends that their daughter had this little bear. A little pink bear. It wasn't pink anymore. It was like gray, grayish brown. Nasty. So and dirty family. <laughs> they were a slovenly family. No, but she's had it all the time forever. 
And they were getting ready to go on a trip, and it's like where Barry was the name of the bear. It's not a yeah. great name, but I wasn't there when the naming happened. <laughs> but they were like, "Where's Barry?" And the house is getting torn apart because, like, not because it was that, that important to them as a family, but it was really important to their daughter. So it was like, "We need to find this." Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was just cool how, yeah, her affection for this little bear had become just important to her parents, and yeah. so she she cared about it because, or they cared about it because she cared about it. So yeah, it seems like the alternative is. From the Bible, <laughs> Saint Peter, Dude, maybe cast your cares on him. Yeah, yeah. cast your cares upon the uh, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Yeah, uh-huh. that would be like the healing corrective. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like, if, like I like what you said, Tommy. Like, if it matters to you. It matters to God. All right, let's hit another one. Oh, uh, could you got one? Could you just hurry up? <laughs> just hurry up. <laughs> Uh, I heard so a great, God never says to us, look, just can't just, just come on. Like, just get it out. Hurry up. <laughs> say it already. Which, yeah, maybe a good caveat might be, you know, with the right tone, God could say a lot of these things. If it's just like loving and encur- if it feels encouraging and he's close to us, you know, cause he might be like, Hey, let's do this, you know? But yeah. Any notion that God's impatient or he's like, I, I don't have time for this. Like I got other things to do. Um, uh, yeah. Or anything that leads to like Force, agitation, restlessness, anxiety. Um, yeah, it's just like, that's not him. Yeah, you know, th- as you mentioned that, uh, Venerable Bruno Lanteri, is that his name? Am I saying that right? No idea. Okay, let's just say it. I nailed it. All right. <laughs> and so, uh, but he, he was asked, like, how do you know this thought, feeling, desire is of God, and how do you know it's not of God? And he reduced it all down to discouragement. Like, if you are discouraged, <laughs> then you know it's not of God. That whatever this thought, yeah, yeah, this yeah. memory, this yeah. this like just hurry up, whatever you're welcoming, that if that leads you to discouragement, kind of shutting down, that's not of God. He said right away you can reject it completely because God God never leaves a soul discouraged. Yeah. And, and so hurry up is kind of discouraging. <laughs> there's something very human about like growth and process and things take time. And um, one of my favorite quotes as of late is um, – I mean I think I told you uh, in, in the past days was um, – um, from a dis- book on discernment by Rupnik, I think is his name. And uh, no idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he says uh, the the church fathers um, tell us that both the Holy Spirit and the devil want us to be holy. Only the devil wants us to be holy now. Hmm. It's like when the Holy Spirit and the devil are speaking to us, especially for somebody who is t- desiring or moving towards God. Uh, the devil is like now, like you need to be holy now and all these things need to be done now. And it's just like this rush urgency, yeah. uh, inhumanity towards yourself, you know, harshness. And- yeah. So that's got like, God's never, God's gracious. He says, a, there's a patient love. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I don't know, we talk about healing a lot too with ourselves and other people. And I find one of the hardest things is when people are starting to feel their pain, of the just life's taking its toll on them from their story, or they feel this pain out of loving someone else who's just still broken over and over mm-hmm. again, and they're not kind of showing signs of progress. That impatience of wanting it all resolved now, yeah. and how sweet it is when you can taste the patience of Jesus's love. Yeah, that like like you said earlier, his first move is not "I'm with you to fix you." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But his phrase "I'm with you always until the end of time." Like just I just want to be with you first. And in that communion and that rest and that delight over your life, a lot of healing actually takes place as a byproduct of that place. But it's uh, but his intent isn't for us. Let me fix you. Yeah, you're just not a problem to him. 
Yeah. And he's not, it's almost like he doesn't have a list of goals. Like we, all these things we have to get done. And I'm sure God does, has desires for us, but like, yeah, he just wants to love us. And it's the loving us and, and letting him be with us in the stuff that, that actually does, I think, bring us along the, the road towards him, towards holiness. But anything that, 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 yeah, sense of just hurry up leads to, I think, grasping, striving, trying to control. Um, I'm harsh on myself. I'm harsh towards other people. It's just, it's lonely. Um, and the God, yeah, the God we serve and love is the God that commands the Sabbath, which is not efficient. I mean, it's, it's like, all right, whole day, yeah. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Maybe totally. the problem is we're hurrying too much, you know. Yeah. Like, what if that's the actual problem, which is the point. But Yeah, I think uh, uh, I think it was Cardinal Ratzinger in, in one of his books before he became Pope Benedict XVI was talking about efficiency and uh, how beautiful sunsets or, or have just been wasted. You know, like if we've, if this is 13 and a half billion years, you know, and Earth's been around for four and a half billion, it's like, that's a lot of billions of years of beautiful sunsets and no one is appreciating them. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. But that's what he does. He does beautiful things. Well, and just to point out, like, things have taken a lot of time and that's okay. Like, God is, is yeah, he's in for the long haul. He's, this is not, there's just no rush. What else you got? Um, get over it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> God does not say that to no, us. No, yeah, get over it. Would you just get over it? Which people say, I mean, it's just like, we are all right there when somebody like has just had a loved one pass or, you know, is kind of reeling from a breakup or things like that. We're all good for about a week <laughs> to be with them. And then eventually, I think especially, well, um, yeah, then there's this feeling of like, I don't know how to help you, so just get over it. And I have that same uh, stance towards myself at times. Like, would you just get over it? Yeah, um, or like I'm even thinking right now of anyone listening who's a parent. Like parenting just looks so exhausting because it's not a job. <laughs> it's your life and it never ends. And so this kid who every day is worried about, let's say, Barry. Like your little, little, little bear. Yeah. Where it's at. Like parents are like – we got a lot of stuff to do today, okay? Like, just get over it. You'll be fine. Yeah. And it's important to realize that when that was said to you as a kid growing up or you've seen people say that, that's the best this parent can do in this moment sure. at this time. Sure. They are exhausted. They're burdened. They're limited. But when we take that and then we're like, that's what God says to us. He just tells me, get over it. Or like, I tell myself that when I'm in the presence of God because I'm sure he has other things he wants to talk to me about than yeah. these things. Now we've taken the role of God. And he's like, whoa, like there's, if it matters to you, it matters to me. Yeah. If this is moving in your heart, I actually want to be there with you to like go on a nice walk and just hear all about it Yeah. because I'm ever patient. I'm not asking you to like figure it all out and try on your own. I'm just walking with you as you are navigating these places, but with you. And uh, I'm not interested. I won't love you once you're over it and then pleasant and enjoyable. Right. Like I'm loving you now and I find you enjoyable even now. Yeah. Yeah, so what you're feeling is not a problem. And um, I think the why that phrase is really dangerous is because it leads a person to um, distrust or even find hatred towards their own heart because it's it's like, um, yeah, if I should just be over this, then something's wrong with me. Like something's wrong with my heart. Mm -hmm. And even what my heart's telling me right now is, is incorrect. Um, whereas I think the truth that I would hold is um, – 
like your heart is just really good and your heart knows it's made for love and it needs love. And so oftentimes the things that we can't quote unquote get over are just places that our heart is um, like holding on to because it knows it still needs love in that place and it still needs care in that place. Um, which is exactly. It doesn't need accusation from the mind. Yeah. Or it doesn't need to be just sealed off and just forgotten about. Yeah. Like it actually, if our hearts are holding on to it, then our hearts know what they're doing and they know that they need attended to. So it's really important that they don't get over it because like it, it, there's like these places or times of our, of our heart and our lives that, that we're still waiting for love. Maybe we didn't experience it and um, God still desires to provide that even if it's like 20, 30 years ago. I mean, there's just no like – there's no statute of limitations on God's love. Like, no, 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 that was the old guy. <laughs> I'm in charge now. We don't uh, – I don't do any of his stuff, you know. I like his accent. God, yeah, he's uh, – <laughs> A little New Yorker, actually. Yeah. We, <laughs> in middle America, yeah, mean God's always from the east <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Listen, I don't got time for this. I don't need this. But, you know, as you were saying that, I'm just thinking about some of maybe usually some of the older folks in the parish who's lost a spouse or a loved one somewhere. Grief can, I mean, just, yeah. and one of the things uh, about grief is that your heart's actually telling you you weren't made for death. And therefore, you weren't made for saying goodbye to loved ones. I mean, yep. that's actually a profound awareness that the Bible teaches, that the church has taught all these years. But like to recognize it experientially, sometimes it's like, all right, it's been a couple of years. I should be fine now. My, my kids are telling me to go over it. I'm supposed to move. And it's like, well, maybe you actually just need like a gracious presence of the Lord just attending to you there and just saying, I, I, I know, like I was heartbroken over Lazarus. Yep. Like I get it. Yeah. And I just want to be with you right now to say, you don't have to be fine or strong or put together, have answers. We can just, but I, I do need you to share with me so I can love you there. Yeah, Cause exactly. I'm not going to force my way in. So yeah, that's a really important one. So maybe the, instead of God saying, get over it, he's saying, let's get into it. Yeah, like weird. bring me with you. Yeah. Like I'd like to, I'd like to be there with you or, um, um, yeah, I just see that this, your heart's just, kind of stuck here and i'd like to just come be with you or okay you were were saying a minute ago like uh tell me more about that yeah like instead of jesus being like get over that maybe he's looking and say would you want to tell me more about that like would you want to share with me more there which is funny because what are the other lines we joked not joked about well we're always joking about everything i guess but uh (laughs) we mentioned using uh if said in the right tone could apply here where it's like hey why is this so hard for you yeah you know we just see that you're just um, even that's a spiritual direction question that's really helpful sometimes, um, which is like, yeah, what what about this situation is just particularly difficult? Because um, a lot of times it's not about the thing. It's about feeling helpless or it's about feeling rejected or feeling unloved. Or, Scared. Yeah. I mean, so there's all sorts of stuff that's going on. It's like, yeah, the, the issue might seem small and it might seem like, why can't I just get over this? But no, you, there's a real pain there mm-hmm. that just needs to be attended to. Um so I think the alternative is is a sense, whether God's saying that, just that he's interested. Like, he's not dismissive. He's interested in this thing. Um, he's not tired of it. it yeah. He's not dismissive. Uh, but he, like, has a reverence and an interest towards every part of our heart, whatever that is. So he may say lovingly and mercifully, why do you think this is so hard? Yeah. Or why is this so hard for you? But the dismissive tone of the same words would sound like what? Yeah. Why is why is this so hard for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not God. No. Which is funny. I mean, so that's a great it's a great 
you were talking about the yeah the Holy Spirit being the tone. So that's really interesting. Of like yeah, it's the tone of these things that that shows us where God is present and active. So, and so yeah, sometimes in spirituality circles or like discernment of spirits, which is what what we're all invited to, which is to learn to reflect on our experience and cipher out what is God saying to me versus my own brokenness versus maybe the enemy's whispering lies. But uh, one of the ways they say it, they don't use spirit. Sometimes they'll say voices. And when you talk about different voices you're discerning, what you're really looking at is not just message and content, but also tone and effect. Mm -hmm. So what is the result of this in my heart when I entertain these thoughts, feelings, and desires? But also what is the tone or the climate around this content being conveyed to me? You know, uh, why can't you just get over that versus why do you think you can't get over that? Yeah. Those are, those are one is like, I'm with you and I'm interested and I'm inviting you to be curious about what's going on and share that with me. And the other one's like, you really suck. Which is shaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's all like, shame. There's something rejecting. wrong with you. Yeah. yeah. One doesn't even want an answer. <laughs> yeah. It exactly. just wants to yeah. accuse. Another <laughs> one honestly <laughs> looking for an answer. Yeah. Very, that's, that's a, a good way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say first why this is hard for me. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's funny. All right. What about uh, when God <clears throat> or the voice in our in our heads that we think is God says, um, look, you're really asking a lot. You're just asking too much. Like, why are you so needy? Mm. Just always asking, asking, asking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is... Yeah, it just breaks my heart because it's like I believe this sometimes and I know a lot of people do. Um, and I think, yeah, there's just times in our lives where we felt really needy. And um, like a baby's needy. A baby should be needy. And that's fine. And nobody's like, your baby stinks at doing stuff. <laughs> <Can't even laughs> change its own diaper. What kind of baby did you get? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but then there's times in our lives where maybe we're a little older and we were experiencing, we were just really in need and people weren't able to show up for us uh, in what, one way or another. And I think we kind of draw this conclusion towards ourselves. And so we, we put that on God too of like, oh, I must be too needy because nobody's meeting me here. So there must be a problem with me. Um, so then, yeah, I, I can remember praying with um, Jesus saying, ask and you shall receive. And I feel this almost like panic rise up in my heart of like, why are you making me ask for stuff? Because it makes me feel really needy and I don't want to be needy. I don't want to be a burden, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just. Like I want to be independent. Yeah. Or, or there's, there's just experiences in my life of feeling like I was a burden or I was too needy. And so I have to do it on my own now. Yeah. Um, and so Jesus is trying to draw that out of me. I'm like, no, please ask. Would you please ask for things? And I'm like, Ugh. well, I'm, it's funny you mentioned that first time. I was just going to share this prayer experience too. To line of Listen, the gospel. Everybody prays. Listen, if you know, it's not a competition. Now, okay. I was, I had three prayer times. It's like ping pong. <laughs> I prayed once. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was that line of the gospel where Jesus says, uh, which one of you uh, whose neighbors come to you and rings the robot at night, like, and asking for them, oh, yeah, wouldn't yeah. get up and give your neighbor what they need. And I remember reading that, like, Oh, I would never <laughs> go to someone's house in the middle of the night with a need. Yeah. Like I would wait till the morning at a respectable time. Yeah. We'd then, be hungry. And then I'd go hungry all night and then I'd see them in the morning and be like, are they in a good mood? If they're in a good mood, maybe then I would go ask. But other than that, I just know not in the middle of the night. And I remember that like just bringing up a lot for me and talking to Jesus and Jesus would be like, well, that's the example I gave because that's like, that's the freedom of friendship. Like, you know, you're loved by your friend. You can go to the middle of the night and ask for anything you need and they'd take care of you. I'm like, oh no. Like. 
And also to add to like sometimes why we struggle with this one too is like I know in my life I've had a friend who really got triggered every time someone expressed a need around them and they would always kind of shame that person. And I just kind of internally mm -hmm. was like, don't ever have needs. That person doesn't want to be yeah, your friend. Yeah. You're a burden to them. So I perceived it happening in other people. And I was like, whoa, I don't want to be rejected or mocked or eyes rolled at me and my needs. Yeah. And like you said, we take that and transfer it to God. But the irony is, is if you press deeply into this type of sentiment that like God's saying you're too needy, you're asking too much. At the heart of it is a real self-hatred of being a creature. Yes. Like, so there's a real sense of like, I can't have desires, needs, dreams, wants. I can't be poor and little, like crying out. Yeah. Which is fundamentally who we are before God. Everything comes from him. But like, oh, I don't want to be that. And right. so we kind of jettison our heart, that part of our yeah. heart, and try to like manage like orphans. Like I got to do some things on my own and be tough and strong and yeah. fine. Because it's really vulnerable. It's really vulnerable. It's not just with God, but to like, it takes a long time in a friendship to be seen and need, to express a desire and a need or a hope. Yeah. I mean, you're just out there at that point. Yeah, it's a real risk. Um, but oh, the reward is also beautiful. And what a gift it can be to let someone help you, let someone love you, let someone carry you. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, to, to that point, like the, the um, directionality of all these like false things. Um, is towards loneliness. Like it's loneliness from God, it's loneliness from each other. But to your point, like, wow, when you really open up a need to another person, let them take care of you, like, hey, that's God being present, right? Um, but also that's, that's what our hearts actually need. And so it builds communion. That vulnerability leads to relationship. It leads to communion. It's like that's how the church grows and, and spreads. And I don't know about you. I also find vulnerability more times than not just wildly lovable. And other people. And other, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like when someone oh, actually yeah, is like, yep. yeah. I really need something. And they just like, yeah. are, you know, that quieter voice because you know it's coming from a deep place. Oh my gosh, they arrest my attention and I like want to be there for them. And it's like, that's a lot closer to the disposition of God, even though he's infinitely even more attentive and loving to my littleness. Yeah. Um, but it is a place where we oftentimes need to repent in the confessional of self-sufficiency. Yeah, like, self-reliance. So, yeah, I, I can do it on my own. I don't need anyone else. I'm, I refuse to show anyone else, especially God, my needs in prayer or in life. Yeah. It's a great place for the confessional for healing. So the truth, um, maybe this isn't the way God would say it because it's maybe not as lovable. Because you're not God? Listen, I am close. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if anything, to me, I know God would be saying, you're not needy enough. Like that, if anything's the problem, that's the problem. Like the, the same God that says, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Like you only, only people who are like little kids can come in. And then when you're ready to do that, then you can come in. But until then you can't come in and, and little kids are needy. We're just needy. And so I think, yeah, God wants to bless, meaning like to name as good in us, our need and our desire, like our longing, um, because if anything, it seems like the saints are telling us up and down the centuries, like nobody wants enough. There's nobody that wants too much. So every, like your desires cannot be too great for God because he wants to give us uh, more than we can possibly desire. So you just can't out want God. Um, there's no like, no, 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 that's enough. That's like, you've maxed out. I'm sorry. No, if anything, God just wants to keep increasing our desire and our longing uh, so that eventually it's so big that it can just begin to to receive everything that he wants to give us. We did mass together this week a couple of times, just uh, Father Scott and I, and uh, you were humble enough 
to say, hey, why don't you give me a word? Which yeah, is Father, would, talk Father would you give me, me a, give me a short homily so I have something to reflect on? All right. So uh, I use this quote from a theologian named Hans Urs von Balthasar. Mm. Worst middle name ever. Urs. <laughs> it's Urs. You are S Urs. Just like it sounds. <laughs> and uh, he just says, the child's ever-present need is not a place of uh, violence for the child. But the ever-present need in the child is the occasion by which it can experience the ever-latent love of the mom. So like a child with its mom experiences its need for hunger, to be changed, to be held, to be played with, to be engaged with, not as leading to loneliness and pain, but in like a normal, healthy mom and mom and child relationship, it's the very setting by which the child then can receive the mom's love, the mom's making the kid a priority, the mom delighting in the child. And so it becomes this beautiful meditation for us is like in my desires, when I hide them from the Lord, I'm actually cutting off the occasion by which I can experience his love, yeah. his attentiveness. And just simply put for me, a lot of times it's like that he actually is real. Yeah. Like that's how I know he's real to the degree that I'm going to be poor, dependent and longing is also the degree by which I'm going to experience how real loving and gracious and generous he is. Those rise and fall together. There's yeah. There's something beautiful there about like the depth of the need of my heart and the depth of the longing of my heart uh, testifies to like how good God is, like how much he wants to meet that need, how much he wants to pour into that longing. Um, like it's a, it's a, a proof, if you will, like a testament or an echo of what's going on in God's heart. Yeah. So he doesn't need maybe you to, you to be less needy. He wants you to be more needy because like his heart is aching with a desire to pour into you in that place as a father. Because what, yeah, what father, like true, good, loving, generous father would want his kids to just be self-reliant, self-sufficient. And he's like, what do you want for Christmas? And like, I'm good. I just, we got a lot of stuff and I'm happy and don't want anything. <laughs> and the father's like, good, because I didn't want to give you anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. That works yeah. out. Yeah. And it's the first commandment. It's like, since God truly does not need anything, every time we say we don't need anything, or we have no need, we're making ourselves uh, an idol yeah. and making ourselves yeah. to be like God. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And so and if, you're, if you're listening, this, this might be a good time once in a while to push pause on the podcast and just soak in something If right there. If something touched you or stirred in you, it's a really good time to just pause and just be aware without all these judgments about what's stirring. And then as Father Scott has said, and I have said, and Tommy shared, like, to talk to the Lord about that. And by talking to him about what's stirring in you, you're actually giving him permission to draw near to that place so that he can actually father you and walk with you. But I, I imagine some things have resonated and it's very good to just pause podcasts off and not just get through them and just kind of uh, press into these places in your heart to say, this is really opening up things for me and then open it to the Lord as a way of giving him permission to be with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be just as, I mean, that, the opening to him could be as simple as saying, God, I feel like sometimes I'm too needy mm -hmm. just to say it. And then it's open and then he can do you know, what he desires there. Um, there's no sense like, oh, these are things you have to fix now uh, as you identify. Like, nope, nobody's on their own. You don't have to do any of this on your own. Um, just to name it and just, yeah, just bring that to him and then he can do what he wants. Amen. So, Father Scott, I'm going to ask you to close us out in a prayer. But first, I want to read from the book of Revelation because it mentions the accuser, but it also mentions the victory and power 
of our God. So this is Revelation 12, verse 10. There's a loud voice coming. This is a loud voice. This is good. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. Father, we ask that send your spirit upon each of us in the way we need to make us your sons and daughters. We ask that you would attune our hearts, our minds, our ears um, to your voice. Yeah, to receive all that you desire, to speak to us, especially just words of kindness, encouragement, love, understanding. We ask too that you would um, just help us to be really attentive and to notice everything that's not from you to let go, to let you drive away all discouragement, all lies, um, anything that tries to lead us to a place of loneliness, any place away from you. And um, Yeah, that with your Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to transform us, we might um, just hear you and respond to your voice that always calls us close and assures us of your goodness and of your love. And we pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, this conversation has come out of prayer and spiritual direction and friendship and fun. And those are all wonderful, beautiful gifts from God. So if you have gained something from this, please share this because on social media, the share button is the evangelize button. Perhaps you know somebody who needs to hear this or you don't know, but you just share it Share it wide and someone will hear it who needs to hear it. Because the Lord, believe it or not, is reaching out, even through the avenue of a humble parish podcast with moving blankets hung from the ceiling so as to deaden <laughs> the echoes in this lit, little tiny room. So we just thank you so much for listening and pray for everyone else who's hearing this. And just a reminder, every day, Reach out to the Lord in prayer. Open up that Bible and drink in the Word of God and get those rosary beads going through your fingers. Every week, at least, come to Mass and receive the Blessed Sacrament. Every month, get to confession. Find someone to serve, either near or far, and you will find your own heart being expanded. And every year, Get on a retreat or go on a religious pilgrimage. 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 (laughs) Thank you, Father Ryan. Thank you, Father Scott. Thank you, Tommy. God bless everyone. Great to be with you. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.